I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour. A forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. And welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Show here on 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy in studio. And I look around and I have the chance again to ask just you guys, because we don't have a special guest in this segment, mm-hmm. uh, how was your week, respectively? I mean, in real estate. Excellent. I think it's uh, really going good. That The weather, I'll tell you, is helping. Hopefully we get start getting some green leaves. I've got a bunch of listings coming on. We're just waiting for some little leaves to come out and some flowers to bud, and we're ready to go. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a warm weekend, so that'll help. If you have open houses this weekend, too? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that, with weather like this, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. It's going to get everybody that spring bug kind of biting yeah. them and getting them out there thinking about that market. And I really look back at, you know, getting ready for this market, Denny. And I think that Chris and I have, have talked about this, I'm sure, a dozen shows, but having that buyer being prepared to enter the market that's out there. And I think that's a real critical thing that Chris and I want to talk about today is, you know, even if you've bought before and, you know, or the guy at work, sitting down in the cube next to you says, oh, I just bought a house last year. Not the same market. We are in such a different market just right now that you got to be, oh, absolutely, yeah. completely different. What's interesting about that is the buyer that did last year has kind of given all the advice to this new buyer, and it's just a totally different market. Different you know? in, in what way or ways? Well, first of all, I mean, sometimes you have to attack things before they even get on the market, so you got to be yeah. in the know. A lot of people, what they want to do is they want to try to be independent you know, and by themselves, and I just think mm-hmm. that's the wrong way in which to do it because what happens is that – so to be a buyer with someone, you sign what's called an exclusive right to represent contract. That means that the buyer the agent are working together. They're working in their best interest. Then there's these buyers are out there that are saying, hey, Andy, if you find something, let me know. Hey, Chris, if you find something, let me know. Well, what happens is is that we have to go to our buyers first. And they end up getting the last the last part of it. They think they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but in, in in turn, I don't think they are. You got to hook your wagon to someone that you know that's going to fight for you and get you in there and know what to do when it comes to these multiple offers. But again, Chris, this is where real estate agents get mad at me when I say this. What value are you demonstrating as a real estate agent to that buyer? And I think that's the problem that most consumers don't understand is what value does that agent bring to the table because they're just trying to hook into me for a commission. And I think they get this clouded view of what a real estate agent does. Our true professional is going to get out there, find out what your true needs are, and help you accommodate your goals. So you need to share. You need to be open. You guys need to work together. And then when that real estate agent in return says to you, hey, 
we're heading to, to literally bidding war city here. You better be ready for battle. And here's what I need you to do for me to be ready as a partner of mine. Because remember, the real estate agent is investing as much into you as you are into them, even more sometimes. Good because, point. you know, and it's, and so you're choosing to partner together. So before you head to battle, like I say, you know, picking your, your partner, um, knowing what the objective is and then working together, common goal, you know, kind of strategy wise to, to get, that goal accomplished. Yeah. And working together, I think, is really important. I always tell um, from a seller perspective, when working with them, is that it's a partnership. We're working together. It's not, hey, don't tell Chris this or don't tell him that because he's just going to try to get you a lower price. That's not the case. Chris right. needs to know that so he can properly market it. You know, and and make sure that when he's talking to other people, that yeah. he's leading them in the right direction. Well, and I, I kind of chuckle because I've had this happen with these bidding wars. And I've had customers where they'll come up to me, of course, on the other side of the transaction, and they'll say, well, you know, I suppose you're pretty happy. We bid 5000 over asking price, so you make more in commissions. And I said, I wish I thought that way. That is such an insignificant you know, thought that's in my head at that time. It's closing dates. It's getting the right offer that's financially stable. It's getting that person that's coming through the door. Do they really want that house? Are they giving you sufficient earnest money? What kind of a home inspection are they going to have? Are they using an inspection to renegotiate the offer? Or are they using that inspection to truly validate what they think they already know and make sure that they're, you know, on their way to having a, a beautiful home transaction? And so I, I look at all these other variables and then things like that get thrown out there. And I think that, Chris, is, is our job as professionals is to start relaying what our, our value is to those consumers, you know, and it's like, we bring negotiating skills. We bring the knowledge of the marketplace. We bring, you know, uh, for you, I think it's, what, five years of experience you have? and Well, almost six now. After your 20th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's my fifth 20th anniversary. Uh, no, but, you know, so it, in those things come with, with um, no price tag. This is what's interesting about industry. Most buyers, representatives, get paid from the sellers. And so what a lot of people say is, oh, I don't have the money to pay a realtor. You don't have to pay us anything. Are, we're paid on performance. And so usually what happens is they'll have you sign an exclusive right to represent the buyer. And on there, it'll say something to the tune of, you'll pay this agent 3% if it's not paid by basically the seller, or this would be reduced by your obligations if the seller pays it. And so ultimately all the pressure goes on to the selling side of the transaction for everybody to get paid. Um, and it's, it, it, you know, and that's, I think, I don't know, Chris, I don't know how much you come across that, but I think a lot of people say, well, how much do I have to pay you? And I just, I, I think that's a fallacy that's out there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I believe what the buyers are doing is they're trying to keep their options open. So, um, they think they might be able to go to the seller directly and get a better deal. You know, the seller's agent, um, you see that a lot. Um, but the ultimate thing is, is the contract is with the, the seller and the listing agent, you know, who has offered part of his, um, fee to be able to pay to someone that would represent the buyer. Yep. And so, um, I think you gotta, I mean, it's, it's who you are. There's some people that are really, really good and you don't want to go directly to that person mm -hmm. and negotiate directly with them. But I think for the most part, you know, people should maybe have that, um, representation. You know, I've worked with you guys a few years now and I know you're really pros. You know exactly what you're doing and have been very successful. How, how does a, a buyer, a seller, when they're looking for real estate agent, we've talked about this for mm -hmm. a long time. How do I know if this person, he or she is good, a good agent? What, what, what do I ask? What, what, what questions? How do I do the research? I, I say you gotta, you gotta talk to other people that have used them. Yeah. You know, and you see a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the internet, you can kind of find out a lot as well. Um, they say testimonials are, are a huge thing, but I'll tell you what, you get a lot of, I think, um, we end up getting a lot of, you know, past clients mm -hmm. that say, Hey, be able to use it. And that's, there's nothing more. I mean, that's exactly what you want because, you know, people don't refer people. 
um, just to kind of, hey, I want to try to make him some money. They refer people to make them look good. You know, and I'm not going to just refer someone and say, hey, you know what? You should go use Andy Prasky if Andy Prasky is going to rip them off. Right. And, and, uh, and, and not take care of them. I mean, I'm going to look horrible. So That's I right. think, yeah, having a referral is really important. I think it's important. And I also think that, you know, uh, Danny, one of the things that we look at is, okay, so we've got a lot of experience, but there's also a lot of agents out there that are brand new to the business that are fantastic. And, and remember, they're trying to, you know, um, you might be their first customer, second, fifth customer they have. They can't afford to have anything other than complete success. And have another victory. You know what I'm saying? And so they use the team resources of their broker, their brokerage. Maybe they're on a team. Um, the person that runs a team maybe has more experience. And so you work, ask those questions like, how can you guide me through the negotiations? Being a newer agent, um, I like you, your referral from a friend. They really liked you, but how do you really, um, negotiate? I'm looking for a tough negotiator. How can we, and, and those are the questions I would be asking. How many transactions have you had to negotiate? You know, and, and ask them what, what, what ended up? What was the results of those? You know, and, and, and so sometimes there's, um, I think ultimately the success is, is in the eyes of the, the consumer. You know, are they happy with the entire transaction? And that's where that referral comes into play. I know, Chris, you're, a lot of your existing clients and everything else that refer you back, a huge percentage of your business is referral. And, and that goes to show that that's because of that consistent, value-added message that you provide. Well, and I think what happens, well, thank you, um, but I think what happens also is that a transaction, a lot of people think it's just getting the deal. Yeah. It's getting you through the deal to closing, and then it's taking care of you after the deal. Amen. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's and that's the part that a lot of people forget. And I always tell them, I said, you know, when it all comes down, who do you want on your side? That's you right. know, Because afterwards, as from a seller perspective, you have no leverage left. You can always say, hey, I'm not going to sell it to you. You know, and then you don't, you can get rid of that person, but who do you, who do you want on your side? Right. After? And sometimes people pick people like Chris because of the eye candy, you know, being just a beautiful guy and just. <laughs> <laughs> Great time <on> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, double check his resume. What? Who shut my mic off? Yeah. <laughs> is he still signing his 8 by 10s <laughs> Yeah, he is. Down in the, on the sidewalk out front. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's uh, take a break. We have more of the real estate show coming up here. So st- stay with us. So we're around every Saturday. In the uh, 10 o'clock hour here on 830WCCO, we'll be right. Welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830WCCO. Chris and Andy in studio. Uh, We were talking before the break about uh, how do we research and look for uh, agents. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think, uh, and like I said, you know, I'll tell you where I've been Mm -hmm. getting some people now is from Zillow. You know, mm-hmm. because you're able to, they're able to be able to kind of check what you've sold. Right. You know, and, and a lot of people think that, hey, if you've been selling those certain properties, you should be able to sell theirs as well. And there's, there's obviously something to say about that. Well, they, they don't know anybody. They don't have that referral partner. So they're looking at reviews. I think that it's interesting to me, though, is that, you know, when you look at reviews and authenticity is a key thing there. And, you know, what, what sites, not just Zillow, there's a lot of them out there that have great reviewing um, options for consumers and having that honest review on there, you know, because it's, it's is it real is it or is it just you know like the you go to abc pizza and on there we've got the best pizza in town bill well that's not a real you know testimony i mean we actually want real people and so what i'd say is use those as a filter to kind of guide yourself through it but then when you actually meet the true chris rooney that's behind the scenes you say hey chris do you have a couple people that you know that you've dealt with that maybe would be willing to talk to me for a couple minutes and you've probably got that list right on your fingertips <laughs> My mom and my dad. No. God, my wife is a really good referral for you guys. Um, <laughs> hey, do you know 15,014 homes sold yesterday? And that's Whoa. what will sell today? 
Isn't that stat something else? Think about that in the United yeah. States. Run, run that by me again. Oh. 15,014 homes. 15,014 sell every single day. Wow. And in the United States. That's a lot of houses that are happening, you know, the sales every month. That's yeah. an incredible amount of people. And then I think some people might look at that stat or hear that stat and say, well, why the heck isn't mine sold? You know, because there's obviously houses that, that are still on the market. And I think from a, from a listing perspective, um, you, you got to look at it. I mean, how people um, at some point, sometimes they don't sell immediately. Everyone thinks now that, hey, everything happens like immediately and that we get four or five offers. That's in certain price ranges. And if you kind of go after it really hard, but in other price ranges, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you start getting up there. I mean, you might have a super nice house and I mean, it's perfect and it's really good price, but it might not sell for four, four or five or six months. It just kind of takes a right. little longer in which to do and obviously less buyers. Well, you know, and I think Chris doesn't it come back to, and I, we've all heard it, you know, that, well, I don't have to sell. I want to sell. And, and that, that is a, you know, kind of a scary thought process for, for a real estate agent and thinking that somebody's not motivated. All they're trying to do is they're trying to protect themselves. They're basically saying that I want a certain amount of money to make this happen. Can you make that happen? Or I'm not going to sell. And I understand that strategy, but like the marking it up just a little bit, you know, let's see if we can get away with marking it over market value right now. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. You're better off strategy wise going to the marketplace with a fair price. And get people excited about a fair price. And then what people do is because you're being fair, they'll bid over asking price. When you start over asking price, I, I have yet to see that. I mean, with the exception of a few properties out there where that works. And, and then you start doing the reduction game and you don't get multiple offers. Now you're getting someone to say, okay, did we go low enough to stimulate an offer versus doing it the right way, which is pricing it correctly the first time. And I, I know a lot of realtors are probably rolling their eyes when I say that, but man, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, because here's the thing, too, is that when your listing first comes on the market, there's a pent-up amount of buyers that have been sitting out there, and then they all swarm on it at once. And so if they all swarm on it at once and, you know, you just priced it high just to see, you know, if someone kind of grabs at it, if you would have priced it right, that whole swarm comes in. Sometimes you'll get more than what you ever should have listed it for in the first place. That, that's correct. Yeah. And so, and then after a while, then what happens is that it becomes that leftover property. Yep. You know what? None of these other ones work. We might as well go check out this one or new buyers enter the market. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important at the beginning to be able to do everything right at the start. You know, it's kind of interesting, Danny, looking at the different marketplaces. And I, I really feel for a lot of the people in relocation right now, because there's, um, we work with a couple bigger companies that do relocation into the cities here. And what's interesting is we have one of our com customers heading from Minneapolis to Seattle, and they're selling the, you know, four bedroom, two bath split entry in Plymouth. It's probably going to sell for around 340,000. That exact same house on the same size lot in Seattle is about 900,000 right now. And they're usually bidding 50 to 100,000 over asking price and they're not appraising. And these people are writing out checks for the difference. And so you want to talk about changing environments and changing jobs. And you, I, here's what I'd strongly suggest to anybody. If you're taking that look at another city, visit the city, visit the real estate agent that they recommend you talk to out in that marketplace and drive around and look at what you're going to get because the cost of living in some of these cities right now is ridiculous. The jobs don't support million dollar houses in some of those areas. And it's just, those are cities that are going to be perfect candidates for the, you know, the bubble popping, the bursting, if you will. And you get into a nice market like Minneapolis where we're consistent, you know, that, you know, five, six percent a year. And then now they're projecting next year maybe to do three percent or two percent. Um, it's going to calm down a little bit. And, and we, we are more sustainable with our growth with the amount of people that we have, the amount of industry that we have. But some of these other coastal cities, my goodness, are nuts right now.
Yeah, Seattle has long been a pretty high rent district there. Yeah. I think so, you know, yeah. and then they were saying how, you know, what is it, 250 days out of the year are cloudy and rainy, and it's like, sheesh, hope you're getting paid a lot to move. <laughs> yeah. No offense. Yeah, totally. You know, I know, Denny, that uh, I said that 15,000 and, yeah. and 14 sales a day. Quick math, what's that make a year? How many? Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't have a calculator. About uh, 5.79 million. Okay. <laughs> the guy's good, I'm telling you. Yeah, wow. <laughs> good at reading a cue sheet. He's, there, right? he's, he's real quick. You, uh, you good at picking stocks too, are you? Uh, no. no. How about how about picking uh, properties that are maybe just a little outside the United States as a vacation property? Our, our favorite uh, realtor here is going uh, uh, South America bound, right? Yeah. Heading to Belize. Hey, they're going to find us some me. deals. Yeah, they approved me to head south. I, yes, we're going to go down to Belize. We're going to we're staying out in a, a nice little island out there, Ambergris Cay, and uh, going to do a little scuba diving, have a little fun. But one of the things that we're doing is um, I'm actually on a Remax trip, and this is it's a I think there's 80 of us, and they're showing us the different opportunities that are in that marketplace as well. You know, everything from the beachfront uh, properties that are starting from 250 thousand beachfront. Mm. They have this new um, development they're doing where you can buy a two bedroom, one bath condo. With a glass floor in your living room, Denny, with a pool, listen, over top of the bay. They're doing it Fijian style, you know, where they're out over the water now. And these start cool. at 250000 That's it? Wow. You can have your boat literally sitting there and go fishing every day in paradise. And so we're going to be down there. We're going to take some pictures. We're going to do a lot of research. And uh, next weekend uh, when we come back, we'll actually should have some good research. We'll probably end up doing a seminar series on this. Um, so if anybody's interested in investing, we're going to get a whole bunch of information and uh, be able to share that with all the listeners. So you'll be back by next Saturday. I'll I'll share so. it. That's good. Unless I really <laughs> like good. it. You know, you know, I watch when you might it, phone in. You know, the HGTVs and the do-it-yourself networks. Yeah. But the big shows that I like are like Island Life, Hawaii Life. I yeah. don't, you watch those things. I mean, being on the water. Yeah. I just think is is something. And just it's really interesting though. Um, I'll I'll be really curious to see like how Belize kind of compares to that and what you get for it because mm-hmm. I mean you go from I mean one island I mean you go from Hawaii to you know, a remote little island. I mean, it could be a million-dollar difference mm-hmm. on that, but it is so neat down there. I've often wondered, too, with these foreign, whether it be Mexico or a place like Belize, great diving, I've heard. Uh, yeah. How do you, uh, can you really own that, or does the government own it? You know, no, and that's that's exactly what the research we're going down there okay. to find out. They Good. actually have, uh, one of our days, they're bringing in several uh, foreign um, investment guide professionals that are going to be talking about, like Mexico, for an example. You yeah. can go to Mexico and they say, well, remember back in, you know, whatever it was, 89, and they pulled all the ownership out of Mexico. And yeah. so you own something and now you don't. Um, they're doing trusts down there. They're doing other things. There's, there's tools that you can use to provide that vacation or retirement home, take advantage of their, sometimes there's, there's people moving down there for tax protection or their, you know, whatever their, their, you know, everybody's got their own objective. From but a I, mob? N- no. Oh, okay, sir. Honest, hardworking people like to go down there because maybe maybe they retire there. Maybe there's less of a tax line. We know. I, I don't think Andy's ever come back. Can you bring get him recorded from down there? <laughs> That'd be a better. But that, that's going to be interesting be, hey, to hear. Hey, man. Welcome. Andy's the island man. It'll be interesting to hear. I'm anxious to hear the report when you do come back about that, that whole ownership thing and uh, what you found there. Well, look, yeah, I hope so. It'll be fun. Hey, Go Tom on. Cruise did that. You could be... Uh, I suppose I could learn to flip could be another break. <laughs> I tell you what, let's uh, let's dream about Belize as we head to this break. Uh, but we'll be back with more of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. If you're just tuning in, uh, Chris and Andy in studio, where do we go from here? We were talking about Belize, but where do we yeah. go from here? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to another yeah. part of that Belize story is yeah. how the finances work. 
Yeah. Cause I know there's, it's really hard to get finances and, and title companies. It doesn't quite work the same. So that'll be interesting to hear about that. I guarantee you there'll be more details than we could even talk about in one hour. So that's like I was thinking about the having some kind of right. a, Online seminar, webinar, whatever, and we'll just make sure that everybody that wants that information can get it. Very good. That's neat. Good, good, good. Okay, we've been talking a lot about buyers and what they need to do. Let's talk about sellers and and maybe making improvements to their home and what maybe is the best money spent um, and what you get the best return on. Yeah, you know, I mean, we every year they put out the report here from the um, uh, remodeling magazine puts out their report, cost versus value, they call it, and it's and it's an interesting report because it actually puts on there. You know, what investments truly give you the ROI? And, and I know remodelers always kind of cringe when we talk about this topic because, unfortunately, there are a lot of projects that people do in their houses that they don't get 100% return on. And actually, most projects, they don't. But what I would say to someone is that you remodeled your kitchen, for an example. And let's say that, you know, and I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but let's say that that remodeled kitchen um, goes in there and, and it gives a 62% return is what it says here. And you get a 60% return, but you have five people now that want to buy your house under your terms, right? So you're investing more into the house, but you're getting it all back in per se because you're, you're improving the property to a level that people desire now versus making it undesirable. And everyone always thinks it costs a heck of a lot more than it really does, you yes. know, if you don't do it. So I think there's, uh, to me, there's a little caveat to all of this too, mm-hmm. is that if, if you're preparing it to get ready for selling, um, you have to look at the whole property and the whole house um, before you start determining what you should do. So there's no real blanket statement is what I'm getting at. Right. It's not, hey, just redo the kitchen and have nice countertops and uh, and grant, or stainless steel appliances. It's not that. If everything else is horrible, well, you might not want to go to that extent. Maybe we'll paint... Maybe we'll paint the cabinets, you know, put uh, some new hardware on it, and then do carpet, and that might get us the best value, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a there's a lot of things on that that I think you got to be real careful with, right? And you know, one of the things we were talking about, you know, they had the front door used to be the best investment, you know, it had the best return, and a lot of that has to be said for even with us with real estate agents saying that, hey, that's that first impression. They grab that doorknob, can they actually get the key out of the box and actually unlock your door smoothly, or is it a is it a you know whole situation? And then it sets off the whole showing. And so it's so important from the time they walk in the door until they have the whole showing happen with the sights, the sounds, the smells. But beyond that, now give them something that they're, they're excited about. For an example, you know, you look at a lot of these things that are on this cost versus value. A lot of them are very attractive things that you would never realize. Like the best return nationally, the, one of the only things at over 100% is attic insulation. They're saying that there's about 107% return on increasing that attic insulation nationally. Locally, though, they only that's pre- interesting because you don't even see that. That's what I'm saying from a buyer perspective, right? So, do you, you do new attic insulation in your house? You can tell somebody that, and they'll go, "That's neat." Okay, um, we still want the house for this price. Now, a new kitchen, like we just talked about, where it has a little over sixty-two percent return. Now, that sixty-two percent, though, but on thirty thousand or a hundred thousand, because kitchens go all over the board. You know, we've we've talked about that before too. Maybe you do the thirty thousand dollar kitchen instead of the sixty. I suppose it depends on the price, but um, anyway. Yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, it's interesting though. I think when you, when you talked about that insulation part, mm-hmm. I think that what it does is it gives that buyer a sense of, Hey, these guys are taking care of all the things. I talk about this a lot when I go into a house is if I can tell if their house has been taken care of, you know, because that's what a buyer's doing. You, you set it on the lockbox. If the key doesn't open, you know, right away, or if mm-hmm. you're tripping over something on the sidewalk and, you know, that's your first impression. Then you start thinking about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, then you start wondering this 15 year old home, if the trim was put in right, 
you know, and they probably didn't plumb the toilets right, and they start thinking crazy things. And that, so it's so important on those little things. So I think some people go to it and say, well, you know what? We redid the kitchen. This is great. You know, we're not going to mess with that kind of stuff. Right. Well, those little things that you don't mess with is just going to oh, eliminate that kitchen that you just fixed up. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like you, you kind of got to go the whole way. Right. And decluttering and cleaning that thing is so important. Well, those two pieces and you are know, so here's important. Here's one of the things. So I had a, a, a retired gentleman last year that I worked with that um, was strategically very smart. He was putting on the new roof. He put in the new windows. He had all the major, the new furnace was done. They put in a $100,000 retaining wall. And the only problem was, and, and they also remodeled their kitchen. The only problem we had, though, was that the rest of the house was just a little more dated than probably the average consumer would desire. It wasn't that it wasn't clean. It was perfectly clean. It just wasn't updated to what considered is to be updated style. And and I looked at that, and I'm looking at like some of these things like, you know, roofing replacement, 52% return. But if you have a bad roof, how do you, you know what I mean? So some of these major investments that he was making, you know, same with the windows, 69% return on windows. And so, and, and don't, you don't have to phone the show. I think everybody understands that these are just statistics, right? Your individual situation might be better based on the brand you pick or the company you pick, but um, these were some investments that were made that just the return wasn't there. Now, the neighbor listed their house, did all the pretty stuff. They did their kitchen. They did their bathrooms. They literally had rotten siding on the outside of the house in some spots. It was painted over. They had, um, But they had the kitchen remodeled. They had the bathrooms remodeled. There was no retaining wall in the back. It was falling down. They were right on this lake. And What's interesting was the neighbor's house sold faster for $10,000 more. The people moved in, and they're like, oh, we love our new house, until they realized that they had to put 140000 into retaining walls. They had rotting siding that actually went up the back of their house. They had to replace half the back of their house. I mean, these were things that were – so consumers, a lot of times, they, they go after the pretty stuff, and they're not looking at the functional, foundational stuff that – anyway. I always call those justifications. And what that means is that – they're they're going to justify. You know what though? We the house is done. We can have company over. Everything is finished. You know we can always deal with the wall. Right. And there's justifications, but if those justifications don't outweigh the bad things, then it's not going to happen. And I think you got to look at that when you're when you're listing. I'm I'm going on a a, a listing that um, there's a couple bathrooms that are dated, and it's like it's easy to say, hey, get it, fix them up, and do that. You know, spend another twenty. 20 grand mm-hmm. to be able to do that. But I don't think we're going to get more money because of that. I don't think we're going to get 20 right. because there's other justification parts that are going to overweigh and, that. And that's a great argument because I look at the same investment made by the neighbor versus this guy. And I say, okay, if we would have maybe only stuck 50,000 into the retaining walls and put a $50,000 kitchen in there. So everybody walked in and said, Oh my goodness, look at this kitchen. This is a dream kitchen. They grab them emotionally, and when you got emotions fighting, it's pretty hard to fight it. You know what I mean? That's just like I say the timeshare salesman. When they bring you down and they walk you on the beach and they see all the happy families and they feed you the nice meal, you're like, how can I not do this for my family? You want to create that same environment at your house, and that's one of those things that you don't get with a, a sexy roof or you know, retaining walls. I hate to say it, but it's it's true, right? right. But that that all comes into the planning part of it. You know, yeah. Many times we've come in at the end. After they've done all this, they think, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? We've watched a lot of television, and we think this is what is going to help us in turn sell it. And they might have put in a lot more money that they really didn't have to put into right. to be able to maximize their sale. It's not to be cheap or to be, you know, um, trying to hide stuff. Not nothing right. at all. You're just you're trying to maximize your sale. And I always tell people that you know what? I'm not looking just to spend your money. I'm looking to spend your money that's going to make you money. Yeah. You know. But there's certain things that you don't have a choice on. 
And that's decluttering and making it clean. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because people have such a hard time looking past that. So, and that comes back to, Denny, and I'm, I'm sure we want to break here soon, but the, the coming back full around and actually coming to the consumer and saying, listen, um, meeting with a real estate professional a year ahead of time, six months ahead of time, three months ahead of time, and letting that real estate agent tell you what value will the consumer see? Because that's all that matters, right? When that consumer walks through the door, what do they consider to be valuable? If they don't notice a roof or a new furnace or whatever, you're, you're out of luck with that buyer. But if they walk in there and something grabs them, like, you know, that, that beautiful new bay window you put in that overlooks the lake and the kitchen, and then they can imagine the, the deck parties out back and the grills going and, you know what I mean? You sell the sizzle or like you say, you sell the lifestyle. And it's very important to remember that when you're getting ready to sell. You got to know what your buyers are looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't understand what the buyers are looking for, how are you going to market it to them? You got to do that. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. We'll be back uh, with more of the real estate show here on 830 WCCO. Again, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We are here every Saturday in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Again, taking a break. We'll be back with more real estate here on 830 WCCO. Go back to this portion of the real estate show here on 830 WCCO. Guys, we have uh, a few minutes uh, remaining. What are we going to do from here? You know, we always talk about the market and people say, hey, is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? I always talk about, I mean, throw interest rates and in. I mean, obviously that kind of goes into it, but it's always about consumer confidence. New study just came out from the National Association of Realtors here in 2017, and it says that 72% of people believe now is a good time to buy a home. That mm. is way up. It's huge. Right. Well, way where up. was it at a year ago, Chris? Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, what did they say? 44%? Yeah, uh, a year ago it was Are at forty four percent, almost double, almost double. Yeah. So that what is that? The math on that twenty eight percent of the people and the rates are higher right. than they were a year ago. Right, so. and, and only twenty eight percent of the people that are out there looking think that it's not the right time to buy a house. That's amazing. So that means a lot of people are excited. There there are a lot of opportunities. Equities are back again. I think that that's at a pretty close to an all time low. Um, you know the the bank owned properties don't exist, or the few that do exist. When they do go up for market, the banks are investing in those properties too. So there, there's no like, you know, the rock bottom clean out kind of deals anymore. It's, it's find a nice house at a fair price, take advantage of the rates, get in the right neighborhood. And, uh, that's seems to be the direction we're headed. Yeah. And it's interesting. They said that, you know, across all the groups that were surveyed, you know, that most of them feel that it's a great time to do it. But people that, um, currently are renting or living with someone else under 34 years of age, don't think it's a good time. I mean, in majority don't think it's a good time in which to purchase. Is that because they don't have jobs or? The, I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that's a and then study. People that... who have homes um, and people over 55 uh, with incomes over 50,000 and really in the Midwest and South believe that it's a really good time to buy. And those were kind of the higher people. Yeah, so, that's cool. Really interesting. Good yeah. survey. Yeah. So um, so exciting times are, yeah. are right now and, and, it's, and it's showing. Um, I think I get a lot of questions about, hey, is there more stuff coming on? And I truly believe there is. Um, you know, stuff's still getting gobbled up, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, uh, you know, people are kind of kind of just sat there and are waiting. God, should we do it? Should we do it? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, OK, let's go mm-hmm. and let's go for it. So it, I mean, consumer confidence is definitely there, too. And I think that the outlook on the economy they with this survey, they also kind of, you know, we dipping into a little deeper they were talking about 62% of the people from 48% a year ago are thinking that the economy is starting to show signs of recovery and growing again on top of just the stagnant kind of regular growth. And so I think, I think what you're going to see, Denny, and, and this is just my, you know, view of the world, not everybody else's obviously, but 
Um, I do think you're going to see some appreciation over the next year. I think you're going to have those buyers that are taking advantage of the good rates and the, the opportunities that are there. But then those people eventually, they dry up. And then what's that next batch? We have to get back to a consistent marketplace that you get the job, you you know, they get married or they have a partner, and all of a sudden they decide to buy a house, they have that good job, consistent income, then, you know, the family comes along, maybe they need to upgrade. Instead of opportunity buying, we want to get back to more of the, you know, the, the regular uh, cyclical seasons that we used to have, and that's, I'm starting to finally see that now again. I mean, last year we started noticing where, you know, you get the the rise and the the falls throughout the kind of normal uh, seasonal selling. I mean, I don't know what's your observation on the South Metro, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going well. It's going really well. There's uh, a, a not much, you know, in the lower price ranges, and uh, the stuff that comes up. I mean, people just just attack uh, yep. at it, but no, it's it's really good. And I think, you know, to me, um, this this whole market mm-hmm. is. Um, I, you know, we're starting to see renters come now back into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people that were just like, you know what? I'm not going to buy. I don't know what's going to happen. They were always able to buy, but they instead rented. Now they can't find a rental. I mean, I had I had some rentals that came up, and I mean, we raised the rents on every one of them significantly rented like that, like yep. nothing. It was real quick, and I want to try to get rid of them all, but it was kind of like, you know, you're so busy in the real estate, you can't really fix them up to turn around and sell because you got to do that. Right. you got to have them. Otherwise, you're not going to get the value. And so we just, we rented them again and it's just, it's crazy. I mean, the rental, the rental market out there is just really hard. Yeah. And it is. And I think that there's, you know, a lot of people too that are are still out there kind of saying, okay, well, they're just starting to get that shaken off them. The, the crazy times they went through. Some people genuinely went through horrific times where they lost their house or they were facing tragedy with their income and they just, it was tough. And so, you know, I, I, um, I still find it okay. I, I, I'm not the guy that says, ah, oh, you know, get out from underneath the rental and get into the homeownership. Not everybody should be a homeowner. I mean, I think that's been become evident. But on the other hand, if you're somebody listening to this show and you're saying, you know, man, I, I feel like I'm getting gouged with the rent or the rents keep going up or whatever's happening there, what a wonderful way to secure your future by taking advantage of the rates that are out there to lock in that payment. It's the same thing. And you say, well, I don't want to be pinned down. A lease is pinning you down twice as heavily as a mortgage does. At least there's mortgage relief and mortgage, you know, tax. They don't have that for renters. There's no no such thing because nobody feels sorry for the renter and the rents keep going up, averaging 5% a year in the Twin Cities. Why would you not want to lock that in for the next Because that's what the market is. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like prices of houses. Houses are going up. That's the same thing with rentals. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is that uh, landlords or Mm -hmm. uh, investment owners had been hurt big time yep. over the last um, 10 years. I mean, and just hanging in there because I'll tell you what happened is that when people weren't making mortgage payments, mm-hmm. renters weren't making rent payments either, sure. you know? And so the, it was the double edged sword. And then, so those uh, investors that actually hung on to all their stuff, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of got hurt. Oh, sure. So it's, it's kind of like they're finally coming back and, you know, hey, that's a, it's a good investment now. Well, you know, and that's the thing. And I don't think you're going to see them going down with the amount of corporate investments that are out there. All You know, a lot of us listening have mutual funds that are invested into these real estate portfolios where they're charging rent for the properties they bought back in 2012. And if you remember, 2012, I think the number was 23% of the houses being sold in the Twin Cities market were sold to investment or corporate buyers, you know. So it, it was pretty crazy times back then. But anyway... Getting on track, great time to buy a house. The weather's perfect. Come on out this weekend. Um, we're, I know that we've got on our both of our websites, I, you know, chrisrooney.com. I've got prasky.com. We've got all of our open houses posted. Um, or if you'd like, you can always call my office at 763-433-0850 and ask uh, where and what's going on. 
Absolutely. And uh, so I'm uh, the whole Belize thing again. I'm kind of excited. So I want to know about financing. That's one of the big things, because I think that I mean, obviously, if you can make it make sense for people here. Mm You know, I think they're more likely uh, in which to be able to do I'm it. I'm excited to see what the affordability is. You know, well, can you those, actually afford it? For those guys, uh, the joint is late, and you went mentioned the word Belize. Maybe they missed that part of it. What What are you going to be doing, Andy? I volunteered to do a field trip to Belize <laughs> for a couple of days and research the real estate market for Chris. And hang out on the beach so he could see the real estate business. I'm going to go fishing and try to do a grand slam. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's research. Research. It's business. It's business. That's what I told my wife. Well, she's come away, so she can oh, help okay. me do the research. Good. Well, you're going to report when you come back to us. Then, Absolutely. Right? All right. Very good. We hope you join us again next week. We are around in the uh, 10 o'clock hour here on 830 WCCO. More real estate show next week. Stay with us here on 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.